And welcome to the Insurance and Injury Law Show. Sivan Tamarkin is here to answer your questions, spread the knowledge for the next hour. The number is 416-216-5910 and help at theinsurancelawyer.ca through email. We'll get to something called the Injury Calculator. You should have this on your uh, your uh, desktop, your iPad, your phone. It's, it's a good tool. We'll explain more about that here in just a few minutes. First of all, we always start with the week that was. I think you got a couple cases, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Uh, actually, we had more than a couple cases. And as usual, I try to keep it to two or three cases only. And again, these are... Cases that we um, we discuss at the beginning of every show uh, for people to learn from, uh, people who are in the similar circumstances so that they feel that they're not alone, there are options out there, and we can help and, and like I said, we can de- disseminate the, the knowledge and information about personal injury and uh, disability claims. Uh, so I'm just going to reference really quickly a case that just settled this past week, and uh, it, it settled really, really well. I'm not going to go through all the facts except to say that this lady was on long-term disability. Uh, she's been on long-term disability for uh, for about a year and a half or so. Uh, she was cut off by the insurance company for absolutely no reason. Well, the reason they gave was that she did not produce sufficient medical documentation mm-hmm. to prove her ongoing disability. Uh, and the disability definition they were referring to was, can she do any job for which she's suited for by training, education, and experience? She's at that point, right? She's at that yeah. point, exactly. And, and, you know, she's in her late 50s. Uh, we're not talking about uh, many more years of, of work. Uh, there was no way that she was able to go back to her job or any other job. And, and, and there was a combination of factors for that. Some of it was physiological. She had some physical issues. Uh, and she also had some psychological issues that... Um, oftentimes we see are intertwined with the physical issues that the person has. Long story short, we started a claim against the insurance company. They took a hard line, as they always do, as I expect them to do. So that's something for people out there to understand. When insurance companies uh, take hard lines, sometimes those are legitimate hard lines. Mm -hmm. In other words, sometimes they have good reason for that. Oftentimes, at least from the cases that I deal with, they're not legitimate, or you can poke holes through their uh, uh, what, what seems like a shield of armor right. of, of you know legalities. Wasn't that difficult at all? So we started the case, uh, and this was uh, last year. We went through what we went through. Uh, the client never had to, uh, uh, to to attend court. The client never had to attend what's called an examination, where the other lawyer gets to ask her questions. No, she never saw. Uh, the other lawyer, she never saw the insurance company adjuster, except for at the mediation that we had last uh, last week, uh, and and we settled her case. Phenomenal settlement in the six figure range. Wow. She was very relieved, uh, not just because of the money and the security that that brings with it, but just knowing that the case is over, knowing that she doesn't have to deal with the insurance company again. And frankly, from the insurance company standpoint, that's another case that they can take off their books. We're, we're coming up to the end of the year. They want to clear out insurance companies. They want to clear out as many cases as they can off the books. And and, and you know, John, it's funny because uh, just just literally a couple of days ago, I got a voicemail from a lawyer uh, on a file that I have, a personal injury file. It's a car accident file where we had a mediation earlier this year. We locked horns. We weren't able to settle the case. Uh, and guess what? He just left me a voicemail saying, you know, can we set up a teleconference? Can we see if we can bridge the gap? Can we see if we can settle the case? Why now? Why now? Because you're getting towards the end of the year. Now, I'm not saying every insurance company uh, is of the same view. I'm not saying that in every case uh, you, you can always settle these claims before the end of the year. What I'm saying is that there is a certain logic uh, to how insurance companies operate. And the logic is to try and settle or pay out as little as possible. And they'll use every strategy available to them. Of course, 
having worked for insurance companies in the past, it gives me a great pleasure to know and anticipate certain strategies yeah. that they use because then I, I, you know, I, I just bid my time. I tell my client, don't worry, it's going to be okay. Oftentimes, uh, you know, we, we, we negotiate certain numbers and I'll tell my client, listen, it's not a good settlement or it's not a good uh, number that they are presenting. Let's wait and see. Let's build up the case. Let's get more proof. You know, let's get, let's get more ammunition and eventually we'll get you the, uh, the proper compensation you deserve. The point is, is this, this is all impossible unless you retain legal advice. She never would have been able to do this on her own. She would not have been able to do it. And in disability claims, long-term disability claims especially, not just personal injury, you know, car accidents, slip and falls, but just in, in generally speaking, when people are injured, they're struggling, not only physically and emotionally, psychologically, but they're struggling financially. They think to themselves, how in the world... Am I going to take on this behemoth? How am, I, how, am I, how am I going to take on this insurance company? And again, the message is the same. Remember, insurance companies pay these claims out because they understand it's economical for them. Again, not every claim is legitimate. Not every claimant is going to you know, get the money that they think they deserve. That's not what I'm advocating. That's not what I'm saying. What I am saying, however, is that when somebody comes to us, somebody speaks with me on the phone within a few minutes I can assess whether or not the claim has legitimacy, whether you have grounds to start a claim, and give you an approximation or at least an analysis of what I think you can expect to get, both from a uh, compensation standpoint as well as from a time frame standpoint. So, so with that in mind, John, uh, I actually want to talk about two specific cases, not just the settlement that we just had, mm-hmm. but two specific cases. Okay, we'll do that. First, we'll take a, a quick break. You want to get a hold of Savan, very simple. Help at the insurancelawyer.ca through email and 416-216-5910 is the direct number. Insurance and Injury Law Show right here at Talk Radio, AM 640. The Insurance and Injury Law Show, anytime to get a hold of Savan, very simple, 416-216-5910 and help at the insurancelawyer.ca. We're talking about the week that was, a couple cases come down the pike, and uh, we're going to go over and review these before we get to the injury calculator. That's right. So let's talk about an interesting case. I, I, I got a call from a lady who's been on long-term disability for almost two years for severe migraines and depression. She was cut off um, long-term disability about two weeks ago. Her doctors wrote the insurance company, but the insurance company ignored their opinions that she can't work. They simply said, in our opinion, she can. They had nothing to base it on, but that, that's what they said, and they cut her off. Uh, and and uh, you know, after speaking with us, after I spoke with her, she said to me that she wants to try and appeal the insurance company's mm-hmm. denial. Now, we spoke about this quite a few times, John, and I keep saying that these appeals, in my opinion, are useless. These appeals are not... They, 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 I mean, think about it. They're, the insurance company is saying, we do not believe that you are disabled or you do not meet the definition of disability under the policy. Uh, but that said, you can appeal it back to us. You can give us more information, right? Yeah, they always we'll give request... you the same answer. <laughs> it, it, that's exactly what usually happens. Yeah. It's extremely rare for me to see any of these appeals actually go through. Right. And generally, I see multiple levels of appeals. Uh, so, you know, I, I, there was a lady actually, uh, another lady, a few months back, did the same thing, except that she didn't speak to me right after she was cut off. She actually got no legal advice. So she came to me after being denied at the second level of appeal. Of course. And in the meantime, nine months had elapsed. So that's another nine months that she wasn't getting uh, the financial uh, 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 compensation that she was entitled to on a monthly basis, right? The uh, income replacement that disability provides you. Uh, So long story short, these appeals, in my opinion, are completely useless. As soon as you are denied long-term disability or you're cut off, start a claim. Again, assuming that the case warrants it. But generally speaking, when people come to me and I tell them that they have a claim, 
in a long-term disability context, mm-hmm. it's because I think there is a claim. I mean, right. I'm not asking you to pay me up front. So this is, it's, it's not like I'm going to take your money and run away. I'm telling you, whether you want to use that information to your benefit or not, it's up to you. This lady here that I'm talking about, uh, she's going to try and appeal. I can guarantee you that a few months down the road, we're going to talk about this lady again when right. she comes back and says nothing happened with my appeal. I should have listened to you. Let's start a claim. Cool. So that's an interesting one. Okay, next one. All right. So the last one I'm going to mention to you, it's a car accident. We've been talking about disability. Let's talk about a car accident. I got a call from uh, a gentleman who was extremely frustrated. And you can hear the frustration. He was just seething. Uh, And he's frustrated with the lawyer that he and his wife are with right now. Uh, Not going to mention the lawyer's name. Uh, I do know that lawyer. Uh, His wife was in a terrible car accident about a year ago. She's 42 years old, worked as a general manager of a department store. They got three kids, all three under 10. Now, she suffered two compressed discs in her spine and severe whiplash because of the accident. Hasn't been back to work, and now there is talk about back surgery because of a nerve compression in the back. So just imagine the frustration uh, that they're experiencing with the entire situation. The husband called me because, get this, for the past two months, he hasn't been able to get a hold of the lawyer or the lawyer's assistant. Leaves messages, leaves voicemail, even went to the office. Well, physically and spoke, went there. Yeah, and spoke wow. with the receptionist who said, oh, no, the lawyer's not here right now. So he said, listen, I'm, I want a meeting. I want to speak with this lawyer. And the receptionist just said, listen, I'll convey your message. Do you think he heard back, John? Nothing. I better hasn't call heard, Saul. He, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> he, hasn't heard, he hasn't heard anything from the lawyer. And he was very impressed because when he contacted us, I, I literally called him within about two minutes of receiving the email. Right. So, uh, so anyway, so we spoke for about 45 minutes. Very, very serious case. I explained to him not only the, the type of compensation that his wife and he and the family can potentially get, uh, but you know what should be done right now from an accident benefit standpoint, right? We're talking about the insurance yep. company uh, that insures uh, the vehicle that his wife was in, as well as the tort claim, the claim against the driver that's at fault, right? And how important it is to start that kind of a claim ASAP, which of course, as you can imagine, was not started mm-hmm. yet. Uh, now I'm going to be meeting with him and his wife next week at their home uh, because they're so fed up with their lawyer that they want to leave him. Now again, I've said this before. I don't. Advo- I, I, I certainly do not advocate people leaving their lawyers. Uh, I, I, I tell people try try and resolve these disputes or these misunderstandings or lack of communication with the lawyer by scheduling these meetings with your lawyers. Make sure that uh, you express your frustration and the fact that the lawyer is not getting back to you. At the end of the day, my concern is that if this lawyer is not getting back. Uh, to these people, who knows if he's doing anything on the claim? Who knows if the office is doing anything? Who knows if limitation periods uh, haven't passed yet for certain accident benefits uh, uh, um, issues that may arise? So so my point is that in in, in these situations, very, very important to always communicate with the lawyer or try to communicate. uh, And if at the end of the day, you're so fed up that you just can't do it, then get someone else, get a second opinion. Okay, give me a call. Give me a call. We'll chat. And, uh, you know, I've had situations where I've told people, listen, you're in very good hands. I have no idea why this lawyer is not communicating with you. If you'd like, I know that lawyer personally. I'll call that lawyer. I'll make sure that they get back to you uh, because that lawyer is a very, very good lawyer. And I've had situations where I told people, stay away from that law firm. Probably shouldn't say this on air, but I did say that. At the end of the day, the client comes first. Uh, You know, these are people's lives that we're dealing with. 416-216-5910. That's the number Savant's talking about. Got about a minute left in this one. Uh, Tell us about the injury calculator. So the injury calculator is a very interesting tool that we spoke about quite a while. 
uh, it's, it's an online tool that's anonymous, free, uh, and, and very easily accessible. So you go on it, on the computer, uh, onto that website, you input several key pieces of information, such as the accident date, whether it was a car accident or a slip and fall, whatever it is, what kind of injury you sustained, the significance of that injury, in other words, uh, the severity, uh, did, did you fracture your leg, uh, you know, did you strain your back, that kind of stuff. And what it does is it shoots back a range of potential compensation you could be looking at if you were to start a claim f- for those injuries. Now, we're not, we're not talking about income loss. So, for example, if you can't work because of the injury, we're not talking about, well, what happens if, you know, you're losing money at work. That's something I would have to speak to you specifically about. We're talking about specifically pain and suffering. Online tool, it's based on, on years and years of cases from across the country. Uh, we've assembled all that, compiled that into a database, and now it's available to the public, free to use. We're going to run through an example after we take a short break. 416-216-5910, help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. This is the Insurance and Injury Law Show on Talk Radio AM 640. The Insurance and Injury Law Show. Savan Tamarkin is your guy. The number is 416-216-5910 and help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. Uh, when we took a break at the other end of the uh, the commercial set there, we talked about the injury calculator, said we're going to run through a uh, real-time example. So do that for us now, my friend. That's right. Now, I'm doing this on my phone. So for people out there, you don't need a laptop or a desktop. You can just go on your phone, injurycalculator.ca. Mm-hmm. So you input the accident date. So let's choose a date from October of last year. I'm going to put accident location uh, let's say Toronto. How old are you? Uh, well, how, how old are you, John? Fifty-five. Forty. How nice guy. Forty-four. <laughs> right. Forty-four. It is. Uh, what was the cause of your injury? Car, Car accident? accident. Okay. And uh, someone else was at fault, obviously. Yeah, Corolla driver. Always is. Yep. <laughs> Did the injury affect your income? Yes. Okay. Excellent. Okay. So we are putting in. Well, it's not excellent, but uh, no. now we're choosing the injury: uh, okay. neck, head, back, shoulders. Let's do head this time. Head. All right. Hey now. Do that. All right. Your teeth, your skull, your jaw, your nose, your mouth. Skull. Skull. Okay. So we're clicking on that. Yeah. And now it's asking, did you suffer a contusion or bruising or a fracture? Uh, we'll go fracture. Fracture. It's okay. a bad so this accident. is serious. Yeah. Uh, and now it's asking, did you also suffer a brain injury or just a, or, or a concussion? Concussion, yeah. Concussion. Yep. Okay. So I'm clicking yes on that. So this is all see, fictitious, folks, by the way. We're just running through an example. This is all fictitious. Okay. <laughs> Let's hope so. Uh, so. So here's what it's saying, and this is interesting. Uh, it says, according to a survey of Canadian cases, you may be entitled to a range of 50000 to 312000 for your pain and suffering. Wow. So sometimes you do get these huge ranges. Yeah. And the reason is because, again, keep in mind, every case is specific. Uh, you know, you can have a concussion, you can have a, a brain injury that's mild, but then it resolves completely. You may have a situation where it's a lot more serious. You you know, you need surgery. It gets Perhaps worse over time, maybe. Yeah. Exactly. So what this calculator does is it, it, it cannot uh, pinpoint exactly the amount. It can give you a range. And how does it come up with this range? Again, we've assembled a database of literally thousands of cases of pieces of information. So so you may have had, uh, you know, a, a gentleman uh, in B.C., maybe 10 years ago, who was in a serious car accident, who had a similar injury to this. And so that's taken into account. Perhaps he was awarded $150,000. Now, extrapolate that. Maybe we have 150 cases like that that just vary in terms of the significance of the injury. Same injury, but just different effects on the person, different ages and all that. And you have that across the country. So, So when you look at the cases... This is the range that if you were to, you know, hire a lawyer or a paralegal or a law clerk uh, or someone who deals in the legal world, 
they would go to the to the law library or they would access the databases online, charge you a ton of money for that, and, and they'll be able to tell you, here's the range of what you could expect. Of course, you need to call us or contact us if you want a specific assessment on your case, which, you know, is easy. It's very easy for us to do. You just have to pick up the phone or, or email us. And, and, you know, keep in mind, this tool is anonymous. So unless at the end, after you receive that range, you click on submit results for a confidential mm-hmm. consultation, I would never know that you actually use the tool. No right. one would know this. It's right. only when you try to contact us with this information that we can give you a proper assessment. Help at theinsurancelawyer.ca is the email address that Savannah just mentioned. We'll get to one here. Dennis from Toronto writes in, says, I've been listening to you for almost three months now, and you keep saying that an injury claim should be started shortly after an accident, but uh, my lawyer says that we have two years and can wait. Don't understand why. You're saying one thing, he's saying the other. What is the, uh, what's the difference? Why the difference? Well, first of all, Dennis, if you've been listening for three months, you must be that listener. Okay. Yeah. Don't go anywhere. <laughs> Don't go anywhere. Okay. So let me answer the question. First of all, uh, it's not unusual for me to hear people say this. Uh, and, and unfortunately, it's very prevalent in the legal world, in the personal injury world, uh, at least here in Ontario, for a lot of lawyers to just keep, uh, to, to, to simply wait. Uh, they'll, they'll sit on the claim. And there's a variety of reasons uh, that they will do so. The problem is, my issue is not the waiting, it's the reasons for waiting. Uh, you know, if you have a case, for example, let's say you have a, a, a fender bender and you have some back pains and those back pains are interfering with your ability to work for a few days, for a few weeks. Uh, there's nothing wrong with waiting uh, to start a claim against the at-fault driver, that tort claim that we talked about. Yep. Because maybe in a few months with rehab, you're going to be completely okay, and there's no point starting a claim. But I see a lot of cases, people contacting me, uh, you know, a year down the road, a year and a half down the road, almost two years down the road, where the person hasn't been able to go back to work, where it's clear that the injuries are more serious. And by more serious, I don't mean that you fractured something or you tore a ligament. You can have chronic pain that is just so debilitating that you either cannot go back to work or you have difficulties doing your job, the, the full-time job or the part-time job that you were doing before. In those situations, there's absolutely no reason in my mind why the lawyer is waiting because for every day that the lawyer waits to start the claim, it's another day that it's going to take now uh, to, to uh, resolve the claim. So if you waited for a year and should not have waited for a year, guess what? You've just delayed the resolution of your claim by a year. Can you make up that lost time? Well, how are you going to make that lost time? The years passed. Yeah, you can't go right. backtrack and. No, you're yeah. not exactly. I mean, unless you know you, you, you're a fan of Back to the Future, like Leora yeah, is, right. uh, then maybe you can go to the <laughs> DeLorean and go back. But no, no. At the end of the day, every case has to be assessed on its facts, and many lawyers and many law offices sort of use a uh, uh, um, uh, what, what's the phrase fit for one, fit for all kind of approach, right? right, right? right. I mean, they just basically uh, uh, treat all their cases the same and they say, look, we're just going to start the claim just before the two-year limitation period. They can do that, but there is no reason. It's just delay, delay, delay for no reason. So Dennis, in your situation, contact me. We'll have a chat for about five minutes. I'll tell you exactly if I think the claim should already have been started or if the lawyer is doing the right thing in waiting to see what happens with your injury. Very simple call, Dennis, the number 416-216-5910. And again, the email address is help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. You mentioned uh, in the example there with Dennis, the fender bender. So we'll get to that. In fact, car accidents and what to, do, uh, what to do in that regard. We'll get a little bit of a recap as we've touched on this before. Just hang on. Lots more of the show coming up. The Insurance and Injury Law Show, Talk Radio, AM640. 
And more of the Insurance and Injury Law Show, 416-216-5910. And help at theinsurancelawyer.ca for Savan's email address. Get into car accidents. Uh, let's do a little recap, shall we? So um, we keep hearing you know, lawyers telling people that we've been in car accidents and they need to wait for a year, a year before starting a claim against the person at fault for the accident. Doesn't sound right. No, it doesn't sound right. And it's, uh, again, something we discussed just uh, a few minutes ago in the last segment. Uh, every case has to be looked at on its facts. Um, facts. Some cases, I, John, I start within a week of the person coming to me. I don't care if the accident happened, you know, last week or the week before. I mean, l- l- let me give you an example. Let's say, God forbid, you're in a car accident. Uh, you know, you're you're uh, you support your family. I mean, you know, the, your family is relying on you for income. Uh, and uh, this accident was pretty bad. Uh, you broke some bones. Uh, you're in the hospital, et cetera, et cetera. You're going to be out for a while. It's, you're going to be out for a while. <laughs> and, and let's say you have a, you know, a physically demanding job. You know you're not going to get back to it for a, for a while. So we're not talking about something, a fender bender, where you have a little bit of, of a backache here and there. What's the point of waiting for a year before starting a claim against whoever caused the accident? You've just delayed the resolution by a year. There is no reason for that. Now, if you're dealing with a different scenario, like I said before, you know, you're dealing with a small accident, relatively small accident. And by the way, uh, courts have recognized uh, in the past, and I have this, uh, I mean, whoever wants this, I can send them a case, uh, multiple cases. Courts have said that the fact that there is little property damage, you know, like the fact that the accident is not huge, does not necessarily correlate to the type of injuries you have. Let's say, John, you have... Uh, a, a bad back, and you've had a bad back, and last year you had surgery in your back. Let's say you were on a fender bender today. Uh, the, the fender bender is going to potentially have a different effect on you than on someone who has a perfect, perfect back, back, right? Yep. So, so the point is, different people react to accidents and to forces uh, th- that are put on them differently. Uh, so, so I- you know, to answer your question, uh, this idea of having to wait a year before starting a claim for compensation, in my view, just, just using that kind of methodology by lawyers for all cases is absolute nonsense. It, it, it's, it's completely wrong. Every case should be evaluated on its facts. Is there ever a time where you would wait for a year or why would you? I, I would not say I would wait for a year. What I would say is, I'll give you another example. Let's say I have a, uh, a client who comes in who says, listen, I, I was in that fender bender. Uh, I injured my shoulder. I'm having some difficulties. Uh, the accident happened last month. I'm getting better. I think I'm about, let's say, 50% right. better. I'm still doing rehab. I think it's going to help. You know what I may tell this person? I'm not going to say to this person, I'll contact you in a year. I'll tell this person, you know what? How about we chat in a month? And if in a month I see that they're continuing to improve, I'll say, what about another month? Right. You see what I'm saying? At some point, hopefully the person will either recover completely uh, or, or, or will recover optimally, right? They'll plateau at some point if they don't recover completely. And if they plateau, meaning that they get to a certain point and they can't get beyond that point, right. let's say they're at 75% of what they were before, but now they can't do the job that they could do before the accident, I start a claim right there. But that may be eight months post-accident. Maybe seven months post-accident, maybe six months. How about kids? Why a year? Kids is a different thing altogether. Yeah, because why with is kids, that? Well, because with kids, because they're developing, oftentimes with injuries with kids, you don't know. I mean, they're very resilient. And, and there's a reason why under our system of law, uh, ex- except uh, in, in unusual circumstances, and I'm not going to get into those, they're technical. Mm-hmm. Generally speaking, the limitation period for starting claims for injured uh children uh, does not begin to run until they reach age of majority, 18 years of age. Wow. So if you have someone, a kid who's five years old, uh, who suffered injuries, uh, the limitation period does not start to run uh, until the the kid is 18 years old. There was a recent case that came out that 
sort of changes that a bit or, or speaks to that in the event that there is a litigation guardian. Uh, at that point, uh, the limitation period may be triggered, the, 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 okay. the clock. Uh, I'm not going to get into that. The point is, generally speaking, with children, the law recognizes that uh, the limitation period will not start running until they reach the age of majority. What if you're a family member of someone who's been in an accident and now all of a sudden the, uh, you know, the burden's on your shoulders, you have to start doing stuff around the house and doing home care and shoveling uh, snow, cutting grass, all that stuff. Is there a claim to be made there? There is a claim to be made there, yeah. And, and that happens quite often. In fact, a lot of times when I get phone calls from people, it's not from the injured individual. It's from the family member uh, who's now caring for that person uh, or, you know, who has that burden now and wants to find out, not, sh- not for themselves necessarily, but wants to find out how, how you know, it, can this be accounted for under the law? You know, my, my wife was injured in this car accident. It wasn't her fault, you know, but now we're on, on, on the verge of divorce uh, right. or, 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 you know, or perhaps I've had to take time off work to care for her. So, yes. Uh, the legislation is the Family Law Act, Section 61, uh, specifically allows uh, um, family members to make their own claims. And, and there's a variety of claims they can make. They can make a claim for what's called loss of care, guidance, and companionship. Okay. So what that means is, uh, uh, John, you're married to your wife. You're injured in an accident. You're now very depressed. The relationship has soured significantly. She can make a claim for loss of care, guidance, and companionship. Under this law, in other words, she's saying, "I don't have the same husband I had before." Wow, no and she could be entitled to compensation for that. Now, under Section sixty-one, there are subsections, and the subsections allow you to make, uh, you know, to recover compensation for uh, perhaps certain things that you're doing around the household now for this individual. Uh, you know, perhaps uh, the person is caring for you. There is housekeeping, uh, nursing care, that kind of stuff. That's all itemized under sex, uh, Section 61 of the Family Law Act. Uh, we call these derivative claims because they derive from the main claim right. itself, from the right. main injury claim. We'll get a little deeper into that. We take a short break. The number is 416-216-5910 and help at theinsurancelawyer.ca for emails. We'll get to some more of those as well on the Insurance and Injury Law Show, Talk Radio, AM640. The Insurance and Injury Law Show, Talk Radio, AM640, up 416-216-5910 and help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. We're talking about uh, benefits could be awarded to you or part of uh, some claim if you're a person taking care of another person who was in an accident. So, you know, you mentioned stuff like housekeeping and uh, grass cutting and doing other duties around the house. You claim for this, but you can't just like, I guess you can't throw a number in this. You need some sort of forensic accountant or something to to make this happen or what? Well, it all depends on the case. I mean, if, if I'm saying that because of my wife's injuries, uh, I can't go to work now or my work has been uh, uh, hindered. Maybe, maybe I'm self-employed and my business took a dive. Right. You may need uh, that extra information and, and opinions uh, from an accountant perhaps to try and figure out what exactly is the loss. Uh, but again, every case is is judged on its merit and on its facts. And, and oftentimes you'll find that people are just unaware that even though the injury did not was not caused to them, they were impacted by that yeah. injury. And because they're a family member, the the Family Law Act, Section 61, allows them to make a claim. And generally speaking, those claims are attached to the main claim. So you're not going to normally, in the normal course of, of, uh, of operations, you're not going to see separate claims started for the family members. It's all going to be contained in one document. And and I'll tell you, I mean, some of these claims can be fairly significant, especially when you're dealing with a situation where uh, a family member is really providing a lot of care and a lot of support for the um, injured family member. 
So how difficult is it to make a claim for accident benefits and what could be covered under okay, those benefits? So accident benefits is interesting too. What, what's accident benefits? Let's go back to the basics for people who don't know. Uh, all of us who are driving uh, and are on the roads uh, have or should have auto insurance. It's legislated, right? Uh, as, as part of that auto insurance or the premiums that you're paying, you're not just paying in the event that you're in an accident and you need your car replaced or repaired. Mm-hmm. You're also claiming in the event that you are injured, which is why when you're in a car accident and then you call your insurance company, you get asked, is someone injured? And if someone is injured, you have a bodily injury adjuster assigned right. as well as a property uh, damage adjuster assigned. So with bodily injury, uh, the adjuster is going to be assessing uh, what is the extent of the injury? What do you need? Because there are certain benefits that you are entitled to from your own insurance company, whether you're at fault or you're not at fault. Okay, So that's important. We call these no-fault benefits, meaning right. you, you, you can ram your car into a tree you know, I'm assuming you're not going to do that, John. Yeah. But but you know, it's not advised. My point is that somebody is not at fault. It's just you know, it's a mistake. Yep. It just happened. You're still going to be entitled to these types of benefits from your insurance company. And what the, what are those benefits? Well, there's a whole slew of them. The main ones, uh, there are two main ones, I would say, for non-catastrophic claims. Okay, because the majority of claims out there, people are not catastrophically injured. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and the two main benefits are income replacement benefits and medical rehabilitation benefits. Very, very important because if you're in an accident and you can't work, uh, the first seven days that you're losing the income is not covered. But okay. after that, you can get a recovery up to $400 per week. Okay? That's the maximum. That's the maximum. And there's a formula that they use to calculate that. Exactly. Uh, it, it, for medical rehabilitation, again, it depends if you are categorized as a minor injury under the minor injury guideline. The MIG. The MIG, exactly. Right. Uh, which... Us plaintiff lawyers don't really like. Uh, in fact, we we abhor that uh, that concept because you can have someone with a partial shoulder tear uh, who has difficulty working, who is going to be put into the MIG. On the other hand, with the right legal representation, oftentimes you can get certain people outside of the MIG. And why is that important? Because if you are categorized as with as falling within the MIG, uh, at this point you can get up to thirty five hundred dollars in medical rehabilitation expenses. So that means physio, massage, chiro, all that. Period? It, over a year or a week? What no, no, that? that, that's, that's period. That's, that's max. That's wow. max. If we can get you outside of the MIG, you're up to $50,000 of rehab. Sure. Exactly. Uh, so, so you know, you have all these other benefits as well. I mean, there, there is non-earner benefits. There's caregiver benefits. You know, if you're caring for someone and you have difficulty caring for someone now, attendant care benefits, such as, you know, if you need help bathing, uh, t- Toileting, dressing, feeding, you know, and there's other expenses. Let's say you've lost uh, some money because you can't attend school and, you know, you had paid tuition. that no, tuition, yeah. all that. Exactly. Or, or you know, you, you have physical injuries to some items you had in the car. So all that kind of stuff is, is above and beyond. Now, this is all still based on my insurance. This is your insurance. Exactly. Right. Okay. Exactly. And, and, you know, it's very, very important to differentiate between accident benefits and the tort claim. And this is something I usually speak with uh, when I speak with people about and I explain by the way, boggles the mind a lot of times. People come to me after they've been with a lawyer for a year or two years, and they're not aware of this. When you are in a car accident, if someone else is at fault, if the injuries are more serious, meaning you don't just recover within a few days or a few weeks or a few mm-hmm. months, it's affecting you, you are going to have two claims, okay? Very important, two claims. One, with your own insurance company. We just talked about that. Yep. Income replacement, med rehab, all that kind of stuff. And then you have the other claim against the at-fault driver. The idea behind the system of these two compensation schemes is to, well, this is the ideal behind it, 
It's to make you whole. Now, the reality is that you need to be able to advocate, or somebody has to be advocating for you on both fronts. Because if you think you can negotiate directly with your insurance company, even if it's your insurance company, let alone the other side's insurance company, who, by the way, is going to try contacting you after an accident, trying to figure out how injured you really are so they can sort of put some reserves aside in case you start a claim. You know, it's, it's, it's something that, uh, yeah, as you said, good luck. You have to be very, very careful. And, and, you know, the reality is that many people who try to, to do these types of claims themselves, because they don't want to go to a personal injury lawyer or a paralegal, understandably so. I mean, we're bombarded with uh, uh, personal injury signs and ads all the time. Yeah. You don't know who to trust. Uh, but the reality is that they get embroiled in these claims. They don't know how to get out of them. And when someone calls me a year after they've been in an accident trying to deal with their own insurance company, when I open the file, I, I usually count no less than 10 or 20 mistakes that were made. Jeez. And to try and go back and try and repair the damage is very, very difficult. We'll take a short break and we'll wrap up accident benefits and uh, what you're allowed to claim. And if you can buy more, basically 416-216-5910, help at theinsurancelawyer.ca, more of the Insurance and Injury Law Show coming up on Talk Radio, AM 640. The Insurance and Injury Law Show, Talk Radio, AM 640, the number 416-216-5910. That will get you a hold of Savannah anytime, even when the show is over. Over and help at theinsurancelawyer.ca for email. We're talking about benefits and uh, under your own coverage. Can you buy better benefits if you don't like those numbers? Yes, and I'm glad you asked the question because this is really key, especially now that we're getting into the winter season. First of all, I always advocate people to have a broker that they go to. I'm not talking about a broker that works with one insurance company. Go to a broker that deals with, with various insurance companies. And, you know, there's a broker that I deal with and I've been dealing with for the last 20 years. My family has. I trust him. He gets us the best rates, but he also advises us on anything else we may need to make sure that we're covered. Uh, if anybody contacts me and want the name, I can certainly give that out. Uh, but with, with car insurance... Uh, know that you can buy optional insurance. What does that mean? It means you pay a little bit extra, and I mean a little bit, right? I mean, you're not talking about another 100 bucks a month. You're talking a little bit more, and suddenly you can get significantly more benefits in the event that you are injured. And I'm telling you that when the time comes, if, God forbid, you are injured or someone in your car is injured, mm-hmm. you'll be thankful for those extra benefits. I'll give you a very simple example. Remember how I said that for income replacement benefits, the standard amount is that you can get up to $400 a week, a week. okay? And that's assuming that, you know, when you plug in the formula, you're entitled to that amount. 400 bucks is the max. It's the ceiling. For many people, that's nothing. That's not enough. That's nothing close to what they were making before. For sure. Well, for a little bit more uh, in terms of buying car insurance, you can end up increasing that to $600 uh, a week or $800 or even $1,000 a week. Now, imagine if with all the other benefits that Accent Benefits provides, with a little bit more money per month, you could actually increase all of the various benefits, maybe more for medical rehab, maybe more for attendant care, right? Maybe more for all of these things. Again, you know, there's a phrase that I absolutely love from a movie um, uh, called Spy Game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I remember the main character saying, you know, when did Noah build the ark? Before the rain. Right? right. So this is the point here. Pay a little bit extra. Speak with your insurance broker or your insurance company and make sure you get that extra coverage. Trust me, it's going to come in handy if, God forbid, something happens. Yeah. You're only you're, you're foolish until you pay and then when you need it, you're the Absolutely. smartest guy ever, right? Right. You yeah. got it. We'll get to an email here as we uh, carry on in our last few minutes. Laura from Markham says, my father, who is 61 years old, stumbled on a pothole in a parking lot. 
of a mall last week and fell. He broke his hip and dislocated his shoulder. He's still in hospital, and the social worker says that he'll need a lot more help. For quite a while, he will likely need to hire someone since I work full-time and my siblings do as well. Can we get uh, the mall or their insurance company to pay for the caregiver? Very good question, Laura. Um, So there's a few issues here that I'm identifying. Uh, Number one, he definitely has a claim. There's no question. The question is who's responsible for this? And this often happens in slip and falls and trip and falls uh, of this nature. So the mall is going to have their own insurance company uh, that's going to be involved. But I guarantee you that the mall's employees are not the ones responsible for the actual parking lot. They would have subcontracted the work out. So it's really important to, uh, you know, get a a lawyer, I would say a a law firm to write directly to the mall ASAP, trying to identify immediately all the available parties. You can, in some circumstances, ask for advances, advanced compensation. Many times insurance companies will not agree to provide that advanced compensation. You see that often in in car accident uh, scenarios. Uh, where you can ask the insurance company of the at-fault party to provide advanced money, uh, knowing that there will be a settlement or resolution down the road and they're going to have to pay anyways. The reason why in a case like uh, like your father, Laura, why I would make that request is because my argument is going to be that if they provide that money, that may help mitigate some of the uh, the issues that he's going to have down the road. Right. Uh, it, it, it may help him and, and you know perhaps he'll heal a bit faster than otherwise uh, he would have. Stop a few leaks now before it gets bad. You got it, right? exactly. Yeah. exactly. So, so this is one of those cases, Laura, that uh, I, I would love to speak with you off air and, and get the details. Uh, let's make sure it's done right. I'll give you all the options so you understand exactly what can be done. But this is a very, very serious injury. I've dealt with a lot of hip fractures. And John, the older you are, the worse the situation is. Yep. You know, and the more likely. And the more likely. Yep. Help yep. at the insurancelawyer.ca is the email address. Brandy from Belleville says, my daughter was in a pretty bad car accident last week, but the other driver just ran off by the time the police got there. Uh, we don't know who that person is or their license plate. She was badly hurt. I'm just wondering if she can do anything if we don't know who caused the crash. So basically a hit and run, right? A hit and run, yeah. yeah. And we see those uh, happen as well. Uh, clearly that's illegal. The person who hit her should have stayed there. But the question is, can she recover? Well, you know, forget about the accident benefits that she's going to be entitled to. What about going after whoever was at fault? Because we don't know who it is. So, yeah, very, very important people to understand. uh, We do have in the legislation a built-in safety net in those uh, circumstances. So in situations where the at-fault party cannot be identified after an accident, like a hit and run, uh, or where they are uninsured. I mean, you have people out there driving without insurance. The Insurance Act, specifically Section 265 of the Insurance Act, allows for one's own insurance company to provide coverage for that compensation that otherwise the at-fault party's insurer would be liable for. The coverage is minimal, not minimal, but it's limited, let's say, to Mm $200,000. So let's say in the normal course of things, John, you and I are in an accident. I caused the accident. I have proper auto insurance. Let's say I have $1 million worth of coverage. So you have serious injuries, you are starting a claim against me, my insurance company is going to pay you up to a million bucks. I'm not saying they're going to fork over the money, right? They're not going to come to you and say, here's a check, and you're going to have to prove your injuries. But the point is, you're going to be able to make that claim up to a million bucks. But what happens in a situation where it's a hit and run, you don't know me? Well, in that case, in that case, you are allowed to make that same claim against your own insurance company, except that they're only going to cover you up to 200,000, but that's still something. Sure. Right? It's not as though there is no money out there. So again, very important people to understand. Uh, if you if if you're involved in a hit and run or you know somebody that was, 
uh, and they were injured and the injuries are, are you know, significant, the fact that it's a hit and run or the fact that the other driver was uninsured at the time does not preclude them from making that claim for compensation for pain and suffering, for income loss, all those kinds of claims that we were talking about. So the first thing, of course, they should do is call the police when they get hit, uh, you know, check their injuries, and then call the, their insurance company. Yes, and then call right. me. And then call you. <laughs> and then I'll, I'll, I'll tell you exactly what needs to be done and, and when it should be done. You want to get a hold of Savan uh, since the show is uh, done for this weekend. Insurance Injury Law Show, the number is 416-216-5910. And emails are help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. Till next week, this has been the Insurance Injury Law Show on Talk Radio, AM 640.